Hello, everyone, and welcome in. Swarm Talk is back, and hey, we're locked and loaded, getting ready for a lot of information. Haven't talked to you in a while. My name is Bryce Coon. This is Swarm Talk, the all things Georgia Tech podcast here on the Crowded Booth, and we're so excited that you decided to join us here on December 21st. 2023. It is almost Christmas time, ladies and gentlemen, and we are getting ready to rock and roll uh, into what should be a really, really, really fun uh, episode tonight. Once again, hope you are having a fantastic lead up into Christmas season. I know I'm excited. Uh, The wife and I are packed up and we are heading back to uh, Columbus, Georgia, tomorrow morning. We're going to leave bright and early from Baton Rouge, and we're going to be driving, so can't wait to do just that. Missed you as well, Maxwell. Good to see you there, Power Tech. Green, Merry Christmas. And Ralph just got off work. Ralph, if you want to hop in the show in the background, we'd love to have you. And yes, thanks. The wife is feeling better. Not so much that she's going to drive, but she is feeling better. All right, let's talk, because we've got a lot of things to talk about. I will tell you this. When myself, Will, and Ralph get settled back in, we're going to be really unloading a great amount of content in the new year. So make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Make sure you are you know, liking the videos. Uh, and look, all of that's free for you to do. So we appreciate when you do that and you join the Discord, become a part of the community. Wild conversations taking place. But hey, we're uh, we're excited. Got my man, Dr. Bob, says he's on the road tomorrow. Patrick Yates says he's ready to have a blast here in Tampa. Let's go. Patrick, are you in Tampa right now? Uh, If so, enjoy yourself. You know, I got the question because obviously for a lot of you know that we still do the Georgia Tech show. I live here in Baton Rouge covering LSU. Would I be able to stay the full time period? Uh, You know, the full, I guess, what was it? Almost (laughs) two weeks just about for the, uh, for LSU's bowl game. That, uh, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. Patrick says he is he is there and he's ready to be there. Key to success in the show tonight. He was just in Columbus watching the River Dragons last weekend. Good to good to support the River Dragons as always. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot of different things to talk about here tonight. Get your questions in. Uh, you know, get your comments in because we're going to kick this off with, you know, th- this is the most wonderful time of the year. Andy Williams was right in the Christmas time special. You have transfer portal. You have early signing day. And what Georgia Tech has been lacking is a bowl game. And so we've got an action-packed show over the next 25, 30 minutes or so for you, depending on how long we go tonight. It'll be a lot of fun. When we talk about this recruiting class, we talk about the two late additions uh, that you know were in the mix in the beginning and, and the impact that they can make. Uh, we talk about the bowl game and, and much, much more before we get started. Make sure you check out Section 103. Use code CrowdedBooth for 10% off your first, first order. And, uh, yeah, Green, we will definitely have it heart testing tomorrow. Prayers appreciated. Give it up for Green there. That's a big one. Uh, Albert says he's been here since Tuesday. I don't know if he's been on the channel or if he's been in Tampa. Probably Tampa. All right, let's lock and load here, ladies and gentlemen. We talk signing day. Now, I took some time. I know a lot of people did some reaction shows and, and stuff like that last night, and and that's all and well. That's good stuff. I want to take some some time to really kind of get some information, you know, from outside the Georgia Tech sphere, because I think that's something that look when we are talking about a recruiting class, you know, it's really easy for us to put our blinders on, to put on our gold colored glasses, and 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 look through that tinted lens, and it's easy for us to sit here and say oh, wow, like look at what they were able to get or or look at this this ranking or look at these several different things. And and I kind of want to start it off by saying this is a good class. 
this this is a solid class in terms of the potential for development. You know, I, I think for me, a couple of the biggest things, and Ralph, if you are around, I would love for you to hop in because I will need some help starring some of the questions this evening. But if you're around college football enough, and, and a lot of you have you know, been fans for a long time, or you've 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 different seen different things, you kind of understand that there is a top tier of programs that are recruiting at either a championship level or national or close to a championship level, uh, you know, way. Georgia Tech's not in that sphere, and that's not what we're here to talk about. And we're also not here to kind of dog on the fact that they're not there yet. There's some things, including on-the-field production, that needs to become more consistent, you know, different things that get you to that level. So if you're not in that mix and you're not at the bottom of the barrel in recruiting, where are you? And this is where I think Georgia Tech sits. They sit where they are going to be able to bring in quality prospects that could project well if developed correctly. That That's where I sit with, with this recruiting class. And, and we can go through it. I mean, look, the composite ranking, I'm going to use 24-7 sports. It's my employer. That's what we'll use. Uh, the composite ranking, for those not familiar, this is a ranking, you know, that is, for me, uh, one of the most accurate that you're going to find out there in the composite world. It's going to take in on three. It's going to take in rivals. It's going to take in... ESPN. It's going to obviously weigh, uh, you know, one of those things too, I'll say this, that all of the inputs you see nationally around these high school prospects, the 24-7 composite does a really, really good job of weighing those different things and bringing it into the equation. So Georgia Tech ranks 34th in the country uh, with that composite ranking. Obviously, the you know, the three, four stars they bring in, Luke Harpering, the tight end at Marist, you know, really like this this kid's ability, six foot three, two ten. A little on the lean side, you're going to get him in to put you know some weight on him, and he could become a weapon for you. Especially, I think what's exciting about Harpering, and it's a guy that is maybe on the lower end. Uh, you see, he's a t- he's the only top 24/7 player uh, that Georgia Tech brought in. But you bring in Harpering with the marriage of what you're able to see Buster Faulkner do, and, and I think you know when you look at this. You have to be able to kind of understand Faulkner's ability to use what Georgia Tech had last year on the field and then to turn it around and say, okay, if we bring high-profile talent in here, if we bring a guy in Harpering who has nice upside and projectability, how can Faulkner and this staff and Faulkner working with those tight ends really mold Harpering into what they want Georgia Tech's tight end room to look like? You're going to have the stop gaps. Like you're, that's the reason they brought in, you know, Brett Scyther this past cycle. Uh, that's the you know, reason they brought in Ryland Goat uh, this past cycle to to provide a glimpse of what you want it to look like. You got to start with the homegrown talent. Luke Harpering is a guy that I think fits the bill of what they want to be able to project this room to look like. Uh, you have another guy in Troy Stevenson, and, and look, we had him on the show. Uh, you know, Charleston, South Carolina native. You know, Stevenson's one of those guys that I think is going to have to put on weight to be effective on the. Uh, you know, I think right now at six foot one sixty five, he's a guy that could probably you know slot in that nickel position. But in order to play, especially the field side cornerback, maybe not the boundary side, but the field side, you're going to want more length there. So, so for me. I like Stevenson. I like the projectability. Once again, you got to get him into the nutrition, get him into the weight room, and add some things. Um, Isaiah Canyon and a Warner Robbins, 6'3, 190. Ladies and gentlemen, I think with what we saw out of Eric Singleton, 
you're going to be able to kind of turn and say, okay, we may not have, you know, the top 10, top 15, top 20 receivers maybe coming here right now, but we can take these kids that are three and four stars, you know, and maybe lower four stars, which is Canyon's case, and project them to be, you know, uh, day two, day three draft picks. Very far off in saying, but that's where Georgia Tech has to start going and getting to the point of doing. So I like Isaiah Canyon. You know, let's talk about Anthony Carey. Uh, this is a running back, six foot, six foot one ninety five. Uh, he announced four thirty yesterday that he was going to, you know, s- uh, select Georgia Tech over Texas A and M, you know, and, and some others. I, look, you can say what you want about Kerry. I think that this is, you know, and and there's been some people I've seen who've not been as high on him, not has been as, you know. The projectability, once again, of what Kerry brings to the table, you cannot deny what this kid was able to do in high school. Six foot, around 200 pounds. He ran for 3,800 yards, 35 or 55 touchdowns over a 38-game high school career. Uh, you know, he's also a guy that was able to catch some balls out of the backfield. Uh, 35, uh, caught 35 passes for 337 in this offense at six foot 200. I think that he is a prime example of that every down back that you would like him to project to be. So I like Anthony Carey. And this is where I really like it because you return your leading rusher from last year, Jamal Haynes. There isn't a need for Anthony Carey to come in and contribute from day one. He can learn the position. He can learn the lingo of the offense. He can learn blocking schemes that is so big for a running back because one thing we have to understand and I want you to understand this is we get really excited about these kids, you know, when they get onto campus and when they bring the, uh, the stats and the star ratings with them, but they have to be able to do kind of the baseline level stuff that college players are required. And it's really, really hard to do that, especially at a position like running back where look, Brent key and Norval McKenzie are going to command and demand, I should say, you be a good blocker. That's how you're going to get on the field at running back at this position. Uh, Jamal Haynes is a guy that is obviously, you know, uh, I don't want to use the term scat back, but I mean, this is a guy that can do a lot of different things for you. You have, you know, other options in that room. But when you turn and look at what Kerry brings to the table, this is where Georgia Tech wants to start building towards. And you want to get so much depth there that you don't have to worry about diving into the portal. You don't have to worry about making sure you sign two running backs next cycle. Because now, if Haynes plays this year, you know, has a good year and decides he wants to, you know, test his uh, chances at the next level or whatever it might be, now you have Kerry who's been in here for a year. And there's a lot of other running backs. We're strictly talking about that. Also, Trelane Maddox as well. For me. Maddox is a great athlete. I'm, I want to see how he translates to fully playing offense. This is a kid that I think is a really good athlete at linebacker. And a lot of times you see this at the high school level. Kids will play linebacker and running back. You know, As he learns to play the position more, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that's where I sit there as well. We'll talk, uh, you know, obviously we're not going to go down the full list here. But I think, you know, the pick of Amantre Bradford is another, you know, it's another identification of a a weakness and saying, if we really aren't going to get a high level player in the portal, let's add some super efficient, you know, players like they did the kid from Furman. Let's add some super efficient players at the position and then bring in a nice projectable developmental uh, athletic guy. That's, that's where I think Amantre Bradford is. You know, I was talking with someone, they do say that he projects, 
you know, to be around, or he sits currently because the weights have been all kind of over the place, but around 6'5", 235, 245. In between those two windows, folks, that's uh, you're talking about a guy that if he can get after the quarterback and he can show some raw ability here in year one, there's a, there, there's potential for him to get on the field in year one in, in rotational ways. And, you know, whoever the defensive coordinator is, whoever, you know, these coaching changes that we'll talk about, you know, next week, uh, you know, in, in the weeks coming, you know, about that. But if you have a guy who's athletic as he is with his size, you got to find a way to get him on the field in, in rotational ways. So I really do think that, you know, this was a good class, in my opinion. You know, you look at some of the other ones. I like what Floyd and Riggs bring to the table. Uh, you know, I really think that in order for Georgia Tech to really start to compete with, you know, their peers in the region that they are in, uh, you know, in that southeast region with the schools there, you're going to have to really beef up. And that's what we saw an emphasis placed on some of the top classes in the country, most notably what happened in Athens. Uh, you know, you see the the beef they brought in. Uh, what happened in Texas continues to do that. So if Georgia Tech wants to get there, they're going to have to continue to bring in some maulers, uh, you know, on the offensive-defensive line front. And, and we're going to get to a couple of these right here. I wanted to get to Nico's right here. He says, Kerry has a great chance of playing time next year with Dante and Felix gone. Uh, Haynes and Kerry could be lethal. Certainly could. I will also say I think that they're excited about a couple other names, Nico, and we'll take a look at some of the positional recaps, you know, in the later later days and everything. But I do agree with you, Kerry. There's a potential to get on the field. It's not a necessity, and I think that's a good spot you want in when you're talking about roster management. Uh, Dr. Bob does say EJ Lightsey was a great, huge pick of the portal. I agree. I like that pickup too. Uh, Green74 says GT has depth at running back, and so Kerry has time to develop. Agree with you. Agree with you. I I like this class. I think it's going to depend a lot on the staff. And I think there is, for me, there's a lot of things to like about, and I'm going to use it again, the projectability. How you can project these guys if they develop the way that you want them and you develop them the correct way. The problem, and Patrick here in the YouTube comments addresses it head on for me, is there's still some stuff lacking on the defensive side of the football. Uh, Patrick says, from a defensive side, I miss seeing heavy hitters, seeing arm tackling over and over by focusing on stripping the ball over, stopping the running back is frustrating. I agree. I agree there. I think when it comes to the recruitment of defensive players, Georgia Tech still has a ways to go in that. And, you know, you bring in, like, I'll say this. I mentioned in our Discord that I I wasn't all that uh, impressed with some of the, with, with you know, the, the trench work, the trenches that they were going after. I wanted to correct myself because I do like a couple of the players that they they're, they brought in. Uh, you know, I, I like a kid like Christian Pridgett, six foot three, 180, uh, you know, out of St. Augustine. Uh, great program down here in the New Orleans area. You know, 6'3", 180 to play the safety position. That length, you know, whether he stays at free or strong or he plays a nickel, that's the length that you need on the back end of your defense. I I'll give another one. Taj Butler down here. And look, I was very frank with people in our Discord. You, you need to join if you want some great you know, tidbits and news. Butler was a guy that... You know, was kind of thinking there might be an LSU offer waiting over the you know the course of the final month of the season. It did not come, and he decided to kind of stick with Georgia Tech. Six foot two, two fifteen, linebacker, very athletic, sideline to sideline speed. 
you you look at these kids, and maybe I'm you know uh, I'll say also Caleb Dozier is another one, six foot three out of Headland, Alabama. You added athleticism to your defense, which you needed because you got to build de- depth. You, you have to do that. But the problem for me was is, is kind of when you look in the trenches. Yeah, you get the kid from McIntosh, 6'6", 245. I like him. I like the pickup. I think Amontre Bradford helped a ton with that. But what you kind of feel like you're missing in this is just a big guy to play in the middle of the defense. And I felt like with Georgia Tech's roster, that's you got to get better at helping out. Because I think this is what's going to happen. You saw this season the impact of not having really good linebacker play had on you and not being able to really stop the run. Well, it all starts up front, and there's a reason that your safeties and your corners were so banged up this year, and they were having to make a lot of those tackles like you mentioned there, Patrick. And the biggest thing was, is like, look, you can't have your six foot two, 180, 195 pound safeties and corners making tackles against, you know, a six foot, 195, six foot, you know, 215 pound running back over the course of the whole game. So I wish we would have seen, and you're like, yeah, you got a guy like Landon Marshall and any of these players. I wish we would have seen a big emphasis placed in the trenches because when you look at the breakdown of this, you have four defensive linemen, but do you have a guy that is just going to, you know, take on two blockers and and really be that run stuffer in the middle? I personally don't think that that is in this class. It's something that I would like to see, you know, maybe added in the portal. And I think a lot of fans want to see that because you need help in pass rush. You need help up front. And look, it's not an indictment on any of these kids. Maybe one some of these kids turned into that. But I think when you look at good teams that stop the run, which is what Georgia Tech was really, really bad at this year, is you see teams invest in the trenches. You see them have some dogs. You, you know, and you, you see them have some guys that are really, really ferocious up front, can attack really well with their hands, and it frees up some of those linebackers because this is what's going to happen if you don't really place an emphasis there. And I'll say this too. I don't want to use the excuse of, well, it wasn't there for Georgia Tech in the portal. No, if you're recruiting, you know, the way you should be recruiting, you can find those options and you can get into those battles. But but what I'll say with that is if you don't start to invest in that is or if you don't invest in that, if you skip a cycle, and I'm not saying they did this on purpose, but what I'm saying is, is you didn't really, for my opinion, you didn't find that. And talking with some people around the recruiting industry, they like the makeup of this class. They feel like that's the big thing missing, and I agree with them. But when you look at kind of defensive tackle, what this group wants to do, if you continue to add, you know, quality secondary play, you get in some linebackers that you feel like could be, you know, good. You're going to wear those guys out because the defensive line is not built the way it needs to be. And, and I see, you know, we got Albert right here. Albert says, can't blame everything on the line. Linebacker play was horrible. Agreed. And I'm not trying to blame everything on the line here. That's not what we're doing. I'm just saying that all of these 11 pieces defensively have to work together. If they're not working together and it's not a cohesive group, if you have a weaker unit that's bringing the rest of the defense down, it's going to affect everything. Now, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that the linebacker play was good. We talked about linebacker play was absolutely awful at the you know this past year. There was a lot of things bad with this defense. It was just bad. But if you're going to help out a guy, if you want a guy like Kyle Efer to take a next step next season, 
then you have to invest the defensive line and what's up front of him to free him up to be the playmaking linebacker that honestly, guys, he's probably best fit for that is see ball, hit ball type of player. So once again, not not trying to back away from the or make an excuse for anybody here. But the defensive line is somewhere where you have to either have some incredible development of what you have in house, and maybe they feel like they're going to have that. We can talk. We're going to do positional recaps, you know, about post Christmas of every position, and we'll look at the numbers and we'll do that. But I think that that's something that you got to invest in, really, in this twenty twenty five cycle, or you've got to go find you know that in the portal uh, with multi years you know left. And we'll get to some portal talk obviously next week. This is more of just a high school. Want to give those guys the due diligence. Overall, though, I like the class from a developmental standpoint. I don't know if there's a day one guy that's going to come in and help you, but I, what I do think is that you know these are all prospects that could come in, you know, spend some time in the weight room, spend some time in nutrition, build themselves up, learn the lingo, which is so hard to learn, you know, as a true freshman, and that's a real reason that you know you don't have uh, you know a ton of freshmen that are you know all world players. It's really rare when you see that kind of play. So. I like where this class is heading. I think that it's, you know, there's encouraging signs uh, there for that. Hey, want to shout this out before we kind of get going into the bowl preview segment of the show. And uh, I do want to get to this comment real quick. Scott says, we need to pick up the next Zeke Biggers. Who is going to develop behind him? I think that's what you're pointing out. Scott, that's exactly like you have Horace Lockett. You got some other options. Where are you going to go with that? Um, Randy goes, says off time. What's your speculation on the FSU meeting? Uh, Randy, Fantastic question. Me and the guys are going to be talking about that on the next uh, live show that we would love for you to be a part of. Uh, this more just Georgia Tech centered uh, here tonight. But hey, before we before we move on, I want to take a quick second. You guys have done a fantastic job supporting the show, whether it's Dr. Squatch, where you can use that code, uh, Bryce Coon, for 10% off your order of $10 or more, uh, or $10, I'm sorry, you get $10 off your order of $10 or more. Fantastic deal. Great soap. Great stuff. But, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, our ads and what makes this show go. And, and I do want to shout out because they, they do such a great job. It's Section 103. You guys know what they do. It's it's the best Georgia Tech gear that you're going to find on the market. You know, fantastic job. Plugged in an alumni, uh, you know, base, too, that I think really appreciates what this brand is. Done by an alum. And uh, look, they're a proud partner, the presenting partner here of Swarm Talk, the Georgia Tech podcast here in the Crowded Booth. Check them out. If you haven't ordered already, it's Crowded Booth for 10% off your first order. And uh, look, into the season, uh, into I should say, you know, into the season, they've been a great sponsor. We're pumped to have them on board with us next year. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. All right. It's time to dive in to the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, down there in Tampa, we've seen the sights and sounds, and the biggest question is, can Georgia Tech knock off UCF? We're going to say yes, they can. How would they do it? Well, first off, I really miss when this was the bad boy mowers Gasper the Bowl. That would have been an amazing T-shirt to have, by the way. I uh, would have loved to have it. Would have loved to don it on the show. Unfortunately, uh, not going to get that chance to. That's fine. That's okay. I want to talk about UCF first off. And look, this is a team that UCF, they just wrapped up a phenomenal recruiting class, I believe. And you guys can fact check me here and I'll even, I'll even look, I'll even look for myself. Let's do that. I'll look for myself here. Believe that they just racked up. Let's see where it is here. The third best recruiting class 
in the Big 12, which is a really big deal. And the number 32 overall class in the country. Gus Malzahn's got that group recruiting very, very well. For me, really like that. Uh, I like this matchup. You know, UCF fans are going to make fun of what happened. This is a completely different Georgia Tech team. I think this is a chance for both teams sitting at 6-6 six and six to end their season on a positive note. And one thing we have to understand about these bowl games too, folks, is that it's not, you know, for people talking about opt-outs and all this thing, I, th- I feel like both of these teams are pretty committed to this game. And it's going to it's gonna make that a fun one tomorrow. So, look, 6-6, six and six, uh, you know, they're the only Big 12 newbie to make a bowl game. So, you know, UCF, I think, is building and trending in the right direction. They did kind of find out kind of what the Power 5 life is like, the gruel and then the you know, week to week, uh, you know, <laughs> what that is, the grueling schedule. Uh, even the Big 12 physical brand of football out there they play. But, you know, you look at what UCF did this year. Look, they had, I got some notes here for you. They had three conference losses that were by a total of five points. That's including at Oklahoma. It blew, blew out Oklahoma State. Uh, they had a nice non-conference road win at Boise State. Uh, and they're playing in a bowl game. I don't think this is a team that, you know, should be slept on. I don't think that it's, you know, one of those things that when you look at it, I'll say this, this can be an offensive shootout. Both defense, you know, really struggle. And I'll tell you why it could be an offensive shootout. UCF can run the ball. Uh, This is the fourth best ground attack in the country. The Knights are going to be bringing to Tampa. The offense was the second best statistically uh, in the Big 12, just behind Oklahoma. And it's a group. And this is where I think Georgia Tech will struggle defensively in this game. It's a group that is just wildly consistent in what they do. Uh, UCF was able to get 200 yards rushing and 200 yards passing in seven out of their 12 games this season. So what does that tell me? It's that they're very balanced with Plumlee at quarterback. They're very balanced to what they do you know, in the passing game and the running game. They're going to keep a defense on on their toes. You're not really going to be able to kind of key in on some things and fully commit to stop the run. I mean, you'd like to make them one-dimensional, but you're not going to – what I'm saying is, is you're not going to be able to say, well, if we take this away, they're not going to be able to beat us. Uh, no, they're really balanced, and I think they do both things very well. Georgia Tech's run defense is just going to have to step up. Uh, you know, look, it had problems – you know, against teams that committed to that rushing attack, I expect UCF to need to do that in this football game. But we talked about that 200-yard mark. Look, UCF might get 200. Uh, you know, they they might get 225. 225 is kind of the magic number for Georgia Tech. When they when Georgia Tech's defense allowed 225 yards rushing against opponents, they were one in five this season. So you're going to have a dynamic quarterback in Plumlee that can pull the ball down and, and run with it. Uh, Georgia Tech struggled with that. You know, I go back to the Boston College game, uh, and I think Plumlee is going to be one of the better quarterbacks, more experienced quarterbacks that, you know, all around that Georgia Tech's faced this season. Uh, you know, they faced some really good players. Uh, Jackson Dart comes into mind, obviously, you know, the game against Carson Beck, but Plumlee is going to look more like what Jackson Dart brings to the table at Ole Miss, really, you know, just play style wise, but just what he brings to the table, both with his arm and his legs. Can Georgia Tech start stop that? So you're going to have to you're going to have to stop the run in this game. I think if you can force UCF to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game, that's when you are 
<laughs> that's that's when you are feeling good about the trajectory uh, of this football game. Now let's talk about a little bit why I think Georgia Tech has a good shot to win this game. You know, the one thing that we can say about Georgia Tech, wildly inconsistent, a roller coaster to watch in this game, UCF's defense isn't that fantastic, and Georgia Tech has just found ways to win when it doesn't make sense this year. Look, you can game plan, you can prepare from January to win from winter workouts to spring ball to summer, you know, individual workouts into fall camp. You can do all of that. And what Georgia Tech has shown this season is sometimes it just has you have to have instinctual play. And they've had that at times this year that's allowed them to win some football games. I think one of the biggest things I think that I think this is going to be a shootout. I don't know what the over-under on this game is. It should be high because I think Georgia Tech offensively can match what UCF wants to do uh, offensively. I think these two teams could go toe-for-toe. It could be one of the more entertaining bowl games from a pers- from an outside perspective. Uh, you know, I-, I think I think it will. We're going to get to that there, Patrick, here. You can't make mistakes. Uh, Green just read the, reading the show script over here. Because the way Georgia Tech loses this game is you start matching and you blink. And if the Jackets are going to win, you have to minimize the errors. You have to minimize the mistakes you make. Haynes King not only has to make good decisions, but he has to be decisive. You know, was talking with some people just about the growth of quarterbacks across the country. And, you know, was was talking with a quarterback uh, coach about this. You know, and I asked, you know, what is one of the biggest things that you see out of kids when they do make that jump? You know, like when they make the jump from just being okay, average to good, or are you good to great, or great to, you know, legend type of status? And they said the decisiveness, you know, the decisiveness of, of playing and knowing what you want to do. So when Haynes King is going through his reads, when he is, you know, going through the progressions that he needs to go through, when he makes the decision, it's decisive. It's there's no hesitation. This is the guy I'm going to or pre-snap, recognizing, you know, there's two safeties or there's a one safety high. We got cover three, we got cover two, recognizing that and knowing where you're going to go with the football. That's when Georgia Tech has had success. That's when they've been able to fly down the football field. So I think in this contest and in this game, what you want to see out of Georgia Tech is you want to kind of see a decisiveness for Haynes King that not only wins you this football game, but really catapults you into next season to you where, okay, he's poised for another step. That's where you want to be because you don't ever want to be as good as you are right now. Crazy conversations happening in our Discord uh, that I'm not either going to confirm nor deny that I might agree with, might not agree with. When we talk football here, you know, there's a lot of great things that Haynes King did. He also made mistakes. So no one, you don't want him to have the same season that he had in 2023. That was nice. He showed his value as a quarterback in this system under Buster Faulkner in a Georgia Tech uniform. What you want is this bowl game to be a launching pad for winter workouts, for spring ball, to continue to grow and ascend where you need him to be going into 2024. So I think Georgia Tech's going to be able to match UCF. I don't see either defense necessarily shutting the other team down. I think self-inflicted wounds are really more of the recipe for disaster for either team. You know, 
while UCF has statistically a better run game, a more consistent run game, Georgia Tech is averaging uh, 5.4 yards per carry coming into this contest. Uh, you know, when they ran over 250 yards, they not only won the three times they did that, they scored 45 plus points. So, bottom line, as we kind of get to this right here, you know, I think with this game, can Georgia Tech win this football game? Yeah, I, I think they can. Where I sit with this is I think that this is going to be a really, really good football game, whether you're a Georgia Tech fan, UCF fan, or just a college football fan tuning in. Because I think you have two teams that are bought into the idea of wanting to win this football game. They understand the importance of what uh, this has and you know, on, on your team going forward. You know, I believe it was Dr. Bob here talking about, yeah, the extra bowl practices are going to do wonders. And they understand it's a chance to go out and develop, to go out and showcase. And for, like, let's be honest too, for a lot of players who maybe don't have the depth behind him that would put depth behind them that would push them out of a starting spot, this is your last chance. Because, like we just mentioned, there's a crop of recruits coming in that are going to start challenging you and pushing you. Right now, you might not have that. You might feel solidified in that. So. I really do think this is a game where both teams are going to be bought in. Both teams are going to be, uh, you know, wanting to win this football game. We'll see. We're going to see. This is going to be fun. I also don't think Georgia Tech is going to get down after, you know, mentally after going down. Like, I think UCF has, is going to – let's just play the hypothetical game here. You know, UCF goes up 14-7. to seven. Uh, They go up 17-7. to seven. They go into the break 21-17, 21-14. Man, this team has literally seen, you know, the craziest stuff happen. They're not going to get down in any case here. And I think it speaks volumes about this team. And and so, you know, fans might worry. I don't think the team will panic. Uh, and so, bottom line, I think Georgia Tech can win this football game. I'm excited to watch this one play out on the field. It's going to be very, very interesting uh, to see, to kind of see what happens. I will say Georgia Tech wins in a close one. Uh, maybe, you know, gets the ball in the fourth quarter, able to, you know, put together a game-winning drive. And I do think they're going to have to win the turnover battle, which I think they will. Cause a big turnover, maybe a Plumlee interception, maybe a fumble, something like that. Then they turn around, they score, and win the game late. I think this has a chance to be one of the, you know, bottom line, I think this has a chance to be one of the best, best bowl games outside of your New Year's or your New Year's Six games. Really do believe that this can be a fun one. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. All right, folks, it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about it. We're going to recap the game. Uh, we're going to talk coaching. We're going to go deep dive into some, you know, all the position groups and kind of grade those out, you know, post season. But hey, isn't it fun to be talking about bowl games for Georgia Tech? Uh, again, a lot of fun. Now, Brent Key, six and six. I told you it's an all important seventh win, what it can do for the morale and the development. Folks, programs aren't just built overnight. You have to, you know, have an ascension process. You have to go up each rung of the ladder. You got to a bowl game. Here's the next rung. Can you carry the momentum of this bowl game into winter workouts, into spring ball? And I think it's going to be a very, very fun uh, for this. Let's get to a couple comments before we get out of here. Uh, my man, Patrick Gates says, I'm hoping to break out finale for Dante in a turnover battle in favor of our defense. Uh, Josh Pittman, appreciate you, Josh, tuning in. He says, late to the party. Ralph peak is over. We made it. I think Ralph still got a couple more days. Uh, Dr. Bob, I don't know quite about that. Uh, Scott says transfer portal players and unsigned recruits are watching these bowl games. These games do matter. Even if it's not the talking heads on the four letter networks. Exactly. Green says 38, 34. 
I'm going to go Georgia Tech 41, UCF 37 is going to be mine. And Mike Jones says 7-6 and six sounds a lot better than 6-7. and seven. It's a big game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to watch it along with all of you. It's going to be a ton of fun down there in Tampa. Gasparilla Bowl. My name is Bryce Kuhn. Ralph Leary's not in the background tonight. Will Manis, nowhere to be found. But hey, we hope you have a safe, fantastic Christmas. Enjoy the time and the holidays with your friends and family. I am really, really excited to... Really, really excited to kind of watch this game, spend some time with family. Hope you will as well. And make sure you subscribe to the channel. Latest content, we're going to be dropping it hot right there after Christmas as we rock and roll into the new year. Merry Christmas, everyone. Green 74 takes us out. We have a lot of big ones right there. Albert says, happy holidays. Randy says, thanks. And uh, man, we're excited. going to be a lot of fun. We will catch you next time here on the Crowded Booth. This is Swarm Talk. Make sure you tune in. You follow us wherever you might be needing to. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're going to be doing a lot of great content from here on out. Brand new year, baby, 2024. Here we come. My name is Bryce Coon. We'll catch you next time. Swarm Talk, best Georgia Tech show on the internet. You got me, Red Talk? What name say his name right? Doesn't really matter. Pile in here and make yourself feel at home. The crowded booth is coming on. The crowded booth with Bryce Coon.